Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Today on the Online Enquirer podcast, catching up with an old friend, Isaac Trotter is going to join me. Isaac now working for 24-7 Sports National Desk, and he's covering a lot of Big Ten basketball. So as we are wont to do when Isaac and I get together and chat sports, we chat for a while. So we have a very, very in-depth breakdown of both Illinois and Big Ten basketball, the race that continues to heat up as the number 13 Illini. Yes, they come in at number 13 in this week's AP Top 25, rising five spots. That sets up a top 15 matchup at number three Purdue on Tuesday. I can't wait to get Mackey for that one. It's going to be a phenomenal atmosphere, and that's what's great about the Big Ten, is this race every year seems so, so good, so heated. Some other conferences get uh, teams that kind of run away. Kansas has done that so many times in the Big 12. Virginia has done that in the ACC a couple years here recently. So the Big Ten year after year, the separation at the top is so small. Every game means so dang much, and that's what we get Tuesday at Mackey Arena as Illinois tries to uh, make up for its home loss, a, a double overtime classic to Purdue, who I think is is the, along with Illinois, the two best teams in the Big Ten. So can't wait for that one. Isaac Trotter dives deep into that one. He said he told he told me he stayed up late uh, last night before we recorded this pod, and we recorded it before the rankings came out, um, watching that Illinois-Purdue game and jotting down a lot of the possessions. So that's how in-depth he got for you guys today. We also talked about the rest of the landscape in the Big Ten, who we think is the biggest threat to Illinois and Purdue atop the Big Ten. Uh, we talked about the middle of the group, uh, some new coaches in the Big Ten, and if and how many new coaches we could have in the Big Ten next year. So fun chat with Isaac Trotter talking Big Ten and Illini basketball. That's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Got a special guest here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Going to be good to catch up with one Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports. He's been covering the heck out of the Big Ten. And we'll get into his thoughts on Illinois basketball, getting ready for the game of the year. I am giddy uh, with anticipation just to cover another great basketball game between Illinois and Purdue. But Isaac Trotter, welcome in. Welcome back to the podcast. And I, I got so much Big Ten hoops I want to chat to you about. You're rocking your Cardinals hat. We can't talk about baseball, apparently. They don't want us talking about baseball, but there's so much to talk about. Lovey Smith could be a head coach in the NFL again. I, I improbably, right? But uh, how you been, man? Good to see you. Good to see you too. No, I've been great. Um, I I think last night when Lovey Smith got that news, that was hilarious. I I just I thought that was really funny. And you know, the more I think about it, it's like okay, that makes a little bit of sense, and I I could see how it could work for a franchise like that, but. The Texans are going to Texan, and I am really looking forward to the Miles Smith, Lovey Smith defense and how that works. And I, you know what? They were really bad at the beginning of last year. Got to give them credit. They turned it around a little bit defensively late in the year. Some of the advanced metric stuff on that Houston defense under Smith was pretty good, but man, that's funny. That was really, really funny. I, I mean, we could talk about this because like Cliff Kingsbury failed up, right? So I, I don't want to just put this on Lovey um, because I respect Lovey as a football mind. Uh, I, I think he did a decent job with a terrible roster last year at Houston, but the Texans are a mess, man. Like you go from just this kind of, we hired David Coley to be the Rick Renteria of our rebuild. We just want a guy who's respectable, can keep things together. They fire him, pay him $22 million, and then they're going to promote Lovey. I do find it kind of like poetic for Lovey that he usurped, he was usurped by Dirk Cotter in Tampa. And that was kind of usurping um, David Coley in Houston. Um, but if he gets that job, good for Lovey. But I, I never imagined that 14 months after he was fired uh, from a bad Big Ten football program, right? I, I mean, we can emphatically say Illinois has not been good. Um that he kind of has an NFL head coaching job again. It's amazing. It's amazing, but good for Lovey. Yeah, I mean, if that if that gets you paid, do your thing, man. Like more power to you. But my God, the one thing you missed on that Texan process was the Josh McCown saga, where they go, they're begging other teams to interview him so he looks more qualified for the job that they wanted to hire him for. He's legitimately interviewed for the head coaching spot twice, twice without being a coach on a, any time throughout his NFL career. It's just that's it's Chicago just Bears quarterback legend Josh McCown to you, sir. Exactly. And he also has very, very good hair. So strong hair game. I can see him. I can respect that. I can, I exactly. Can respect. <laughs> exactly. No, but it, it would be, it would be funny. I would be tuning in to watch Lovey Smith coach the Texans. I wonder if he'd bring the beard back. And I, I just, I, I think the glow up for Miles Smith would just be one of the best stories in all of sports. I mean, you're well, going from, a, a, what are your sources on the Miles Smith beat telling you? You know, Miles Smith has really locked me out of that one. It's been it's been really hard for the former Illinois Miles Smith beat writer. It was really tough when I got blocked on Twitter, and I just don't know if I'll ever financially recover from it. <laughs> you and I both uh, joined that club pretty quickly. All right, uh, I do want to bring up one more Illinois football thing. Uh, Alex Palczewski. Uh, he's going to set an unbreakable record of starts at Illinois. He's already got 52 back for a sixth season. I give a ton of credit to Brett Bielma for even pursuing this. Like, I, I don't think Lovey pursues this. He even shoots a shot. But I think they sent a trial balloon up with Michael Marques. Said, all right, this is uh, we'll just try this one, see if we can get it. Uh, and for Palczewski, it makes sense. Come back be fully healthy I thought he looked great at guard I think that's always been kind of his spot in the NFL uh, but man for Illinois to plug a, a hole on a 
very whole filled offensive line. Now you got Pearl and Palcheski back. You feel so much better about how competitive you can be uh, in the Big Ten with those two guys back and then adding some of the Juco pieces and, and hoping Barlev takes a step forward, Kruitz takes a step forward, and we'll see if they can get Hunter Norzad. But uh, that's a significant uh, bring back. I mean, you bring back an all Big Ten performer to your offensive line, one of your biggest weaknesses. Yeah, it was, it's amazing how much better that offensive line looks with him in the fold. And I just think about a full year for him at guard, if that's where he can play for a full year, I think that would just be huge for his tape. Veteran, good dude, good with the media. I just feel like I just feel like he checks off a lot of boxes. And captain? Now he's, what? he's probably going to be a captain, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's just so much there. And this offensive line was like such a big concern. And you go, man, this feels a whole lot better now that you got three or four guys that you feel like you can you can count on. And then let's figure it out for the rest of them there. Like this year was always going to be weird on the offensive line. But Palcho changes that. And I, I just hope that he can stay healthy and play a full year at guard. Because if he does that, he's got a chance to be, you know, on an NFL roster. And I think that's a very fair thing. Maybe not an NFL starter, but I think he could be 100% sixth, seventh offensive lineman in the NFL. I think you feel like last year he had four average to good. Uh, starters and then Bedovinak kind of I, I think was was pretty good towards the end of the year uh, I still don't think I don't know if the offensive line is gonna be a strength Isaac but uh, all of a sudden you feel like you have two good offensive linemen with Pearl and Palcheski and then we'll see what uh, Isaiah Adams Island Chrysler uh, can be right away uh, Jordan Slaughter they were high on going into the year I think he would have started if he didn't ha- get injured so we'll see how he comes back from injury but man you just you plug one of those those big holes there I think you feel really really good uh, to get him back so kudos illinois for for appealing to the ncaa and hey the ncaa doesn't hate illinois uh, can we can we put that one to bed yet or no 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 that's <laughs> that can't ever go to bed i mean as an illinois you know a person as you're surrounded with illinois if you're an illinois grad you just have to assume that the ncaa hates you constantly that that's just how it has to go you can't no new evidence can can play into the fact that maybe illinois doesn't hate or isn't as hated by the ncaa as as some might think all right, Isaac, before we dive into the Big Ten, I'm looking forward to kind of breaking down where we're at in the Big Ten about halfway, a little bit more than halfway for most teams through the season. But Illinois basketball, uh, we're recording this right before the AP poll comes out. Uh, I talked with a, a few people that vote for it that had them in the, the top ten now. Um, I, I would expect they'll be right around 9 through 12, somewhere in there, setting up just a marquee matchup against Purdue. But Brad Underwood teams, this is what they do, man. They get much better as they go into January, into February, and then starting into March. I mean, the last three years we've seen that. They've won eight of their last ten, four straight, three quad one victories in the last two weeks. What do you think of Illinois hoops right now? Man, I I think that if you – I'm just going to say it. I think they're sitting on a really big offensive performance soon. Like, I don't know if it's going to be Purdue – or coming up here, I I think that if you look at the shot quality that they're taking, if you look at the looks that they're generating, even the shots that they're missing, they're sitting on a game where they go for a hundred. And and there's not many teams in the country that can say that. I mean, let, let's take a look at this. I was looking at some of these numbers yesterday. Purdue, obviously, we know is a horrible defensive team, but Illinois scored 74 points against Indiana while they missed nine shots at the rim and eight free throws. Right? And how, and how many open threes to start the second half? A ton. I was just getting there. Okay, let's look at Wisconsin. They scored 80 points against Wisconsin. They missed nine free throws, and they shot seven for 22 from three, and they scored 80 points. So you combine what the looks that they're getting. They're getting wide open threes. They're getting shots at the rim. They're not taking bad twos. And you combine that with a Purdue defense that hasn't stopped anybody all year long. 
Illinois is really due for a really, really big offensive game, and they're going to need it against Purdue because Purdue is an awesome team. But if you just look at what Brad has done, you know, with all of the injuries and all of the mixing and matching and all of these things, it's just, it's incredible. The player development of the freshmen, getting them more and more comfortable while continuing to win is really imp- impressive. And I, I think that they're poised for a big close here. And I, I honestly think that they're poised for a huge, huge offensive showing soon. Cause you're going to have a game where all your layups go in, start shooting 80% from the free throw line and your three start dropping. And with the amount of looks that they're generating that are so good, it's bound to happen where they go for a big, big number. And if that comes against Purdue, you're probably the Big Ten champ. They're the most well-rounded team in the Big Ten, right? Like, Purdue is the most explosive offensively. I I think even Illinois at its peak offensively, they can hang with Purdue. I think we've seen that already, and that's what's going to be fun about Tuesday night. But their defense is number one right now in, in the Big Ten during conference play. That's what has got me really excited because we know how good offensively you're saying like, yeah, they're sitting there where it feels like there's a powder keg of offense that's kind of being left out there a little bit and they're still winning all these games. That's what makes you excited going into, oh, this team could win the Big Ten tournament. They could win, uh, get to the final four. Right? That's why they're so capable of it. But the defense is consistent. And that's where Purdue's lacking. Uh, I think that's where Ohio State is lacking right now, where I feel like the ceiling of Purdue and Ohio State is just as high as Illinois. But Illinois is just consistent because every night they're playing defense. While Michigan State just kind of lacks the offensive punch, I think, from their guards, Wisconsin, it's all dependent on Johnny Davis, right? Like yeah. Or Brad Davison having a, a ridiculous night. It's just the floor for Illinois is higher than the Wisconsin, Michigan State for me, while the ceiling – could be just as high as is Purdue and Ohio State. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I just, I, I just feel like this team is, is you looked at last year's team and you go, okay, this is a team that can also, you know, the metrics say that you're a team that could potentially make a run to the Final Four. But there's some flukiness sometimes there, right? Like it just yeah. again, I, I go back to the shot quality because this is some of the stuff I look at all the time, and it's just like you, you lived a lot off of some mid-range jumpers last year. Like the spacing on the floor wasn't the same as you have this year. And Mike Woodson was saying about that about Illinois, how this is a completely different team where just you have so much more spacing on the floor. You, it's really hard to double Kofi because you have all of these shooters that you're playing out there and and you just have these driving lanes that are going to be there for Curbelo you think as he continues to get back I mean we're talking about a guy that's barely practiced this year let alone played a lot right so as soon as he starts keep going coming in it's just a different dynamic and this team just this team just has the look of a one that can make a deep run now you can say that about a few teams in the conference or you can say that about a few teams in the country but Illinois can back it up because their defense travels they were going to rebound the heck out of the basketball for the most part. And when you have veteran guards like Trent and DeMonte that are just continuing just to every single night, you can count on them for their defense. You, you can't find many teams out there that have two guys like that and a rim protector like Kofi. And, and that just that means that that floor is so, so, so high. Yeah, and Kofi is the start of all of it, right? Like he is really asserting himself. Even a bad half at Indiana, he ends up with seventeen and eight in a marquee game. Trent Frazier's playing like a, in my opinion, a second team All Big Ten player. I don't know if he'll get that um, from the rest of the media in the Big Ten, but he's playing like that. Uh, and then you know, Kerbe- or, uh, Plummer uh, is, is up and down sometimes with shooting. Grandison's up and down with the shooting, but you said it. I mean, they are such perfect pieces around Kofi Coburn and Demonte is really starting to make threes while playing at an All Big Ten defensive level. I, I think the concern is 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 matchups, right? And it's if you get a skilled four like a Dante Scott or an EJ Liddell, that is 
that is an issue uh, for Illinois um, where that matchup issue, bigger guards, Jaden Ivey, as good as DeMonte Williams is, like can be problems, but you know, Illinois can, can battle those teams. Um, or teams can attack Alfonso Plummer defensively. They can attack Jacob Grandison defensively. So when you get a deeper team, great team like Purdue with so many options, that's where it's going to be tough. I mean, Illinois can lose those games, obviously. Arizona, they can lose those games when they have four or five really good offensive threats. But that's true of anybody in the, in the country, really. Yeah, I think you just have given yourself such a chance to just compete in those games. And, you know, one thing, too, is that you you watch this team and it's really hard to go on runs against Illinois because obviously their defense is really good. So you're going to you're, you're going to get some stops just because your defense is competing. But offensively, it feels like they just don't go into many lulls often like they just don't like not with like, Kofi, not with Kofi on the court. Right. No. And even even like even like you can run Plummer off the three point line, but every single time that you it feels like teams like tried really hard to take him away he still ends up with like 13 or 14 points i don't understand it like he's, you, met, you he's mentioned able- it i was excited to interrupt but like indiana game it didn't feel like he ever had like a big stretch but every time indiana felt like it was gaining momentum alfonso Plummer got to the free throw line or had a layup right or or had got followed then and hit three free throws like every time so it's like yeah i mean they don't go on a lot of runs when you got that many offensive options and that's what's key and that's what i think curbello is going to be is when they have gotten in these ruts as if kofi's not there or on the or in foul trouble and they just need somebody to break down a defense like curbello the other night those were three big points when indiana's going on a run and he just gets to the lane gets a gets a layup and gets fouled makes a free throw like those were big when indiana was up 19 11 i believe and it feels like he doesn't even have to try to get into the lane. It's so effortless. And you go, you forget sometimes, like, you know, you just haven't watched him a lot this year. And you go, you just forget how easy this was. And that's that's what fascinates me about this Purdue game. Because if you look at, at Curbelo's status, right? Like, he, let's be honest, he's probably had, what, three or four practices total, right? Maybe, maybe five. But this week, he can kind of get a little bit more practices. He's played, like, what, 12 and 13 minutes in the last few games. You can unleash him against Purdue because what's Purdue's biggest strength, right, is Zach Eady, right? Let's be honest. Like, that's like the, you know, we can look at the matchup with Kofi and you go, well, Zach Eady can play him one-on-one. But you can make Zach Eady unplayable by just absolutely destroying him in pick and roll. And that's what Curbelo had some success with. And I went back and rewatched that Illinois-Purdue game the first time. Illinois put them in 24 pick and rolls with Zach Eady on the floor, 24. They scored 20 points on those 24 pick and rolls, right? Which isn't that good when you think about it. That's less than a point per possession. But if you go back and look, 19 of those 24 possessions, they had awesome looks. Mm -hmm. They had plumber wide open threes because Zach Eady plays drop and you have a wide open look from the top of the key. If you, if Kofi's going to set a great screen, he has wide open threes. They had wide open layups that they missed because they were rushing because Zach Eady's on the floor. They had great looks from Trent from three. They have creating all these shots. Curbelo had some looks inside against Purdue. And it's like, man, if you if you can cash in on some of these possessions, right? You're you're probably looking at thirty five to thirty five to forty points that you could score off of these pick and rolls against Zach Eady instead of those twenty, and that's the difference in the game. And you can make Matt Painter take him off the floor because you cannot play him in pick and roll coverage against Illinois. And then when Travion Williams comes back on the floor, you just go back to doing what you do, and that's four out and one in because Travion Williams can't stop Kofi at all one on one on the block. 
Yeah, as you said, I mean, Purdue's offense is, I don't know if you can stop them. You, you try to slow them. You hope Sasha has an off night. You hope uh, Ivy's inefficient, but Ivy's going to find a way to get his. Edie's going to get his on offense. The key is, as you said, uh, attacking him defensively because he, he could be an issue for Purdue on that end. What do you think of this matchup, Isaac? How, how do you feel if you're Illinois going into this one? It's interesting. It's really interesting because if you look at some of the numbers, Purdue has run some of the least amount of pick and rolls all year long, but against Michigan, they unleashed J Ivy pick and rolls and he just went nuts. He's good. 23 points. I think he had seven assists and six rebounds. He just went absolutely nuts. And you go, man, if they'd been doing this all year long, how, how successful would this be? So then again, when I'm watching Illinois Purdue the first time I go, how many Jaden Ivy pick and rolls did they run all game? They ran seven pick and rolls for him all game. How many points did he get off of that? Two. He turned it over twice. He missed two contested floaters. They blew up two plays and they didn't score. And he got an offensive foul. And I go, man, if if they if they play these Jaden Ivey pick and rolls like they did against Michigan, that might be Illinois' case to slow them down a little bit. Because Illinois defends pick and rolls against Ivey really well. And his in-between game just isn't quite there yet. So if Painter and, his, and this staff goes, gosh, we just unleashed we unleashed Ivy on the pick and rolls against Michigan. He did great. Let's go to that a little bit more than seven times like we did in a double overtime game against Illinois. That might be what Illinois' way of slowing them down just a little bit because that's just not the strength of his game. And it's really hard to score in pick and roll coverage against Illinois with the way that with the way that Kofi's on the floor and the way that Trent and DeMonte fight over screens, don't get screened, and contest mid-range too. So that's kind of that's kind of my my angle to look at tomorrow how many of those pick and rolls do we see from ivy because if we if we don't see those and they go back to what they're doing and sasha's doing his thing then Purdue's probably gonna score a lot of points but if they try to push that pick and roll thing again like they did against michigan i think illinois has a chance to slow them down a little bit we call trent frazier off night sometimes and uh sasha he didn't force into an off night like will that happen again can sasha do that again to me that's the key like is Ivy, Williams, and Edie, if you can keep them somewhat inefficient, I feel like Illinois can do that one-on-one. But you got to slow down Sasha Stefanovic. I thought he was the key to Purdue winning that game. I know Ivy got to the rim. Edie dominated the first half. But, you know, the rest of the way, I mean, Bossman's can play a role. Hasn't played in three games after starting some games. But he can come in and give you some minutes. Um, To me, it's keep Sasha Stefanovic under three three-pointers like if, if you can do that I think you win this game uh because Purdue's defense I don't think can stop Illinois I, I just don't think they're good enough I don't think they're focused enough which is weird for a Matt Painter team I get personnel wise like Sash is not a strong defender Edie's not going to be one Williams is not going to be one I always feel like Ivy could be better uh on defense I felt that way sometimes about Io last year but he he was much better than um, Ivy is right now in college. So uh, I, I, I think Illinois going to be able to score. It's just can you slow them down, which is always the question against Purdue. So, I, again, like those Sasha threes that we were talking about, like it was kind of weird because, like, if you, if you again, you look at him, he went five for eight from three. But I swear, I think he got two or three of those on offensive rebound kickouts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not necessarily on Trent. Like, I don't – all the time. Like, Correct. it's yeah. just not. And so, like, I feel like – I feel like if you can minimize those like those random ones, like the random ones in transition or the random offensive rebounds and just keep them playing half court and just keep them in that type of like in that type of where your defense is set, then you can probably take Sasha away a little bit more. And I, I'd be hard pressed to believe he hits five threes against Trent in a half court game where Trent's 100 percent locked in defensively and you're not, you know, in scramble mode after offensive rebounds. 
Great point. And the other part about that part that you're talking about is the offensive rebounds Purdue got might have been because Kofi Coburn wasn't on the floor. Right, he was only on the floor for 22 minutes. This is a great defensive rebounding team when Kofi Coburn's on the court. They're not very good when when he's off, so uh, that could play a role as well. Yeah, and I've been reading your um, your player grades, and you've been nailing it with the uh, Jacob Brandison's not rebounding. Right, like that's your four, and he's just not rebounding. And that was during the time where he wasn't rebounding either. Now I think he's starting to cash in a little bit more on those defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. So if Illinois can if Illinois can rebound the basketball. That takes away a lot of Purdue's opportunities for those second chance points. And again, you look at the numbers and Purdue didn't kill you in second chance points that game. I think they had only 12 second chance points. But man, it felt like a few of those came on some really big Sasha threes and some really big moments. So just cut those out and you had a chance. And again, like we're talking about the best offensive team in the country. You're not going to slow them down in any way. You're just trying to make it a little bit harder, just a little bit harder. Because if you look at Purdue's defense, like, like I look at weighted defensive efficiency on uh, evanmy.com, really good site. He does a really good job. But weighted defensive efficiency basically takes out the possessions where the game was over. It only counters in, like, the, the plays where it matters. Here's Purdue's last four games from a defensive efficiency standpoint. How many points per 100 possessions they've given up? 118.3 versus Iowa. That's bad. 117 versus Ohio State. That's really bad. 114 versus Minnesota. That's really limited offensively. That's still bad. 114 versus Michigan. So like you're gonna have your chances here to put up a whole lot of points, whole lot of points against this team. If you just run your offense and do what you do best, which is take good threes and get Kofi post touches and run pick and roll. And and I, I just feel like you're gonna have a chance to put up 80. And if you can just slow them down just a little bit by securing those defensive rebounds, by not letting them get in transition, by forcing Ivy to shoot those tough twos that are contested, you got a really good chance because I'm not scared of Travion Williams. Not at all. Not one bit. Every time that Edie's off the floor, that's a win for Illinois because you can attack Williams on both ends. And I'm not sure Williams is good enough to, to kill Kofi on the block. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, Isaac, can we agree, Illinois-Purdue, this is the battle of the top two teams in the Big Ten? No doubt. Yeah. It's not even close. It's not even close. Why do you say that? I just, I feel like, I feel like the high end that we've seen from both of these teams are just completely different than anybody else. It's just completely different. It's just a completely different basketball game. Like Michigan State has had some moments where they've been pretty good, but again, they're really, they turn the ball over just like, like crazy and they don't even care. And I don't know who their best player is. I go back and forth on it. Sometimes it's Malik Hall. Sometimes it's Marcus Bingham Jr. That's my issue with them. Like I, I love their front court. It's just when I need a bucket in a close game against a really good team, Who's the guy I'm counting on? It's Malik Hall, and I like Malik Hall, but 
he's not for me a, a second or first team All Big Ten. Like I would want that team needs a Trent Frazier. Like they, that's they need Absolutely. that kind of player, and I just don't think they have it. So uh, I think Michigan State could win 13, 14 Big Ten games. Uh, I feel like Wisconsin could end up winning a share of the Big Ten title. I feel like Ohio State, because of their schedule, can find a way to to get a share of the title. But that still won't change my mind that Purdue and Illinois are the best teams. 100%. 100%. Like, I love Ohio State. Like, I love the the big parts of that team. Like, EJ is EJ, and he's been unbelievable. Some of the stuff he does just – I mean, he's ripping down defensive rebounds and going the other way without even, like, looking at a point guard. He sends a point guard down. Like, he is their point guard sometimes. Like, that's Jokic stuff. Like, like that, like that. some of that stuff is just, like, unbelievable, the things that he does. If he falls second. to the second round, GMs are going to regret that like they regretted Iowa. Like, you just stop overthinking it. Like, he is – I know he's 6'7". He plays like he's 7'0". Right, he's skilled. He's ridiculous, athletic. He's a great defender. Um, that I would no doubt spend a pick fifteen through twenty on that guy. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how you don't because like the defense too. Like, you wanna you want a four that can guard ones and like that you can switch. You know, you wanna play positionless basketball one through four. He's the perfect guy for that. Like, and he can jump out of the gym too. His second jump is absolutely absurd. So I do think that. Once he goes to the NBA Combine, or if he if he gets into that some of that stuff, and he does some of those athletic things, he'll he'll rise up some boards just when they see some of the athleticism stuff that he does. But he's he's stupid good. But again, this Ohio State team has flaws because Malachi Branham is really good, but he's a freshman, and they really miss Justice Suing defensively. Like he was probably their second best defender, and they don't have him. You know, Jamari Wheeler's a nice point guard who does a good job defending other good guards in the Big Ten. And they they've slowed down some decent guards. But whoever's like, if you have two good guards against Ohio State, one of them's going nuts. The one that's not guarding Jamari Wheeler is going nuts. And that's just how it, it's felt like. If you watched uh, Northwestern, Northwestern put up like 87 on them because Chase Adige couldn't get be stopped. Like if you look at Wisconsin, like, okay, great. They slowed down Johnny Davis, but Brad Davison went absolutely bonkers on them. So it feels like if you've got multiple guards, you can give Ohio State issues. If you only have one, that can be a problem. Can I give you my hot take? Oh, yeah. At the end of the year, I think the Big Ten player of the year is going to be either Kofi Coburn or EJ Liddell. I don't think Johnny Davis is going to be in the mix. Agreed. I'm I, I'm just not – like, I think – I think – let me, let me pull it's it all, It's all respect to Johnny. Like, and, and he's had an unbelievable year. But it, it's, it's starting, to, his fault. starting yeah. to come back down to earth a little bit. And, and I think the cream rises. Liddell's awesome, man. Like, he is, he is such a fun player to watch. I know that can be difficult for Illinois fans, but he is, man. He's, he's such an easy guy to root for and to watch. And uh, I don't know, like, maybe I should let you answer this question, but if there's a team that I don't think Illinois and Purdue fans should take their eyes off of, I think it's Ohio State. I, I, I just don't don't be surprised to see them sneak in and, and get a share of the title or, or find a way to, to be number one at the end of this because Illinois and Purdue lose a couple games that are tough. Their schedule, they got one of the top five teams left on their schedule, and that's Illinois on the road in Champaign. I think that's going to be a monster game because I think they got Rutgers, Michigan, Minnesota, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan left. Like So Illinois and Michigan State, the only two of the other top five teams left on their schedule. It's huge. It's huge. One thing on Johnny Davis, his last two games, he's seven for 32 from the field. That's not good. Okay. All right, moving on. Yeah. Yes. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. And the one thing, too, that we need to talk about with Ohio State, your boy Zed Key continues to play really, really well. Not against the elite big men in the Big Ten, but against, like, the mediocre ones, he crushes them. Like, he was awesome yesterday against Maryland. I think he had 14 points and seven rebounds in, like, 22 minutes. Like, that's just what he does. He and reminds me of what, like, Xavier Tillman, before Xavier Tillman's, like, best year, like, his first couple years, like, Zed Key's got that kind of impact on that team. He's really good. He's really, really good. And Kyle Young's going to defend, and Justin Arns is a veteran, and you can't let him get threes. And Cedric Russell's another guy that's continuing to start to make some shots at some big moments for them. It's it's a it's a weird team because you look at him and go, okay, stop BJ and you win. One, easier said than done. And two, I think their role players are a little bit better than people think. And with combine that with the schedule, with how well they've been able to play at home, like I don't think they've lost a home game this year. No, they haven't. No. Like that, that's a team that that's a team that 100% is going to be there no matter how much we might or you know outsiders might not think so and even Ohio State fans go I don't think this team's good enough they say that like they legitimately say I don't know if they're good enough they got blown out by Indiana they got blown out by Wisconsin like they they lost to a Xavier team that's me well they're still going to be in the mix right till the very end Branham's the key like if he's if he's scoring 12 to 15 points a game that that really changes the team all right um who are you buying more like once we get to March Wisconsin or Michigan State? I think Michigan State, just because I I can trust that they have guys. You know what I mean? And I feel like I feel like uh, now I go back and forth. John is like, still pretty good. <laughs> well, I think Tyler Wallace kind of might be Wisconsin's second him. best player. He's been really good recently, like really really good recently, and gives them a different aspect. So I, I, I'll go Michigan State just because they have the pedigree, and I feel like. I can trust Izzo a little bit more than I can trust Greg Gard. And we Izzo has a has a history of his teams get better. Gard has a history of his team's struggle as the season goes on sometimes. And sometimes the shine wears off a little bit with them. But I, I do think the thing with Michigan State, too, is that you're going to see Max Christie continue to get better and better and better. And that's like the X factor, because I feel like we've seen the best of Johnny Davis. And I'm not sure if there's any other peak for him. Like, it feels like we've seen as good as he can be. And and now teams start to have a blueprint on him of letting him take a bunch of shots and forcing other guys to 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 beat them. And and with Michigan State, like I feel like Christie's gonna continue to develop, continue to get better. And remember, like Ivy had a really strong close to his freshman year. Really strong. Can Christie have that? If he has that, that completely changes how Michigan State is because when he's good, they're really, really good. And you're starting to see Gabe Brown start to make some more shots too. So I'll buy Michigan State just because they have rim protection and defense. And they have a superstar potential in Christie and a lot of guys. And if they can cut those turnovers out, that should be that should be a team that can still be pretty frisky, no matter how many times we see them have like these games where they score 20 points and a half. So book it, Wisconsin share of the Big Ten title. That's what, Correct. That's what happens exactly. from here on out. All right, who is going to play more of a Big Ten spoiler the rest of the way? Indiana, Rutgers, or Michigan? Like who don't you want to see in late February, March or in the in the Big Ten tournament? Okay, I, I, I'll go Michigan here just because they have the best player out of all of them. He's so like, good. Like, <laughs> the stuff that Hunter Dickinson is doing every single night is just absolutely insane. He is 100% their entire offense. When they go off, the, when he's off the floor, their numbers offensively and defensively are atrocious. Like, absolutely atrocious. I think they're like 27 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor than with him off the floor. Like, that's just jarring. Kofi is not that. Like, he has like two or two or three or four points better per hundred possessions. And so like, he's like the stuff that Michigan is can do with Hunter Dickinson is absolutely insane. Let me pull up his, his stat lines recently. I think he scored over 20 in 
Yes, he scored over 20 in five of the last six games. He had 28, two and two against Purdue, 26, eight and two against Nebraska, and he barely played in 23 minutes. Against Michigan State, he had 25 and six. Against uh, against Maryland, he had six dimes. Indiana, four dimes. Like he just is doing things that is really scary. And so you can say some have some flaws about um, you know Michigan's defense, and I don't like their roster construction. I don't think Jawan Howard's done that great of a job this year, coaching wise. I've had a lot of frustrations with some of his rotations and everything. But Dickinson is just he's an alpha dog, and if if they want a few more games, I think we would have a, a way different conversation about him in the Big Ten Player of the Year race, and maybe even National Player of the Year race. Was he even on the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar watch list? He was. Was yes. he okay? Because I'm trying to remember. I think maybe he was left off the Wooden Award watch list, and Trace Jackson was on it. I'd rather have Hunter Dickinson. Like I, I, I have, I have no question. I'd rather have Hunter Dickinson. I'm not trying to swipe at Trace Jackson Davis, but Dickinson, like you said, it. He's a he's a dog, man. Like I, I know he didn't play against Illinois. Illinois was fortunate uh, with the night they had for most of that night. I think it would have been different with Hunter Dickinson on the court. So I'm looking forward to that rematch in Ann Arbor. I, I still don't know how Iowa is uh so high in all these metrics. It, it just doesn't compute with me. But they do look like they're going to make uh, the NCAA tournament as long as they take care of business probably uh, at home. That feels like a a, a, a 10 seed. Um, wh- what do you feel about where Iowa is? I mean, think about like if Illinois didn't get Kofi back or if Illinois didn't uh, get Plummer or whatever, you know, some of these things that happened, it could have been a really bad offseason for Illinois. And kudos to Brad Underwood for, for being able to kind of maintain this. Iowa's kind of the other side of it. I mean, they've really taken a, a big dive here. I know they can make the tournament. Keegan Murray's a fantastic player, but where do you think that program's at? It's a tough spot because I like some of their young pieces, but mm-hmm. like this year, like, I mean, we've talked about it before, but Fran McCaffrey's dirty secret is they're 13th in the Big Ten in conference play and three point shooting. That's not what you think about with an Iowa team. Let's take about think about this. Iowa's big thing in this offseason was, well, we got Jordan Mohannon back. He's shooting 25% from three in conference play. 25%. This is a guy that last year, he shot 43% from three. Now, could we see some positive regression coming? Maybe. But there's been times where Iowa's better with him off the floor, right? Like, it's just, it's weird. It's a weird team. And I, I like Keegan Murray. I really think that he's done a really nice job of, of changing his game. I think Chris Murray might be their second best player, too. Like, both of those guys are, are really solid. But Patrick defense- McCaffrey's starting to play well, right? Yeah, but their defense is just a problem every single night. Like every single night. It every feels single like you, season. It's a right. problem. Yeah, it's just – and so they're going to make the Big Ten tur- – or they're going to make the NCAA tournament, and they're going to be a fun team. Like if they get the right matchup against teams that maybe struggle to score or teams that are you know really bad defensively, they can go. But I, I don't like Keegan Murray's splits against high major and low major teams, right? So his final stat line might look a little bit better than some of the stuff he does in conference play. Now he's still really good, right? Like yesterday um, they beat Minnesota, and he had uh, – 24 yeah, and 15. Scored. Yeah, 24-15 and had three assists and two blocks and one steal. Like, that's just what he does. But long-term, like, do you love a guard that they have coming through their system? I don't I don't know. I think Tucson I has some that. moments. U.S. Yeah. has some moments. You're like, ah, there's something there. But, yeah, like, yeah. That, that's their issue. 
Peyton Sanford can shoot the three. Maybe he turns into a th- into the next, you know, um, whatever white shooter that they've had, Frederick or or Wee's Camp. Maybe that's that type of thing. But they need some playmakers at guard. They really do. And they need some guys know, they- who defend. I- I'm sorry, like just their offense is usually awesome. They're, they've been top twenty offensive efficiency for five straight years. They've been below. 70 in, in defensive efficiency. Most often it's under 100 uh, in, in every year, the last five years with Fran McCaffrey. Like, do you not try to fix that? Like, I don't adjust something. I, I, maybe they're not able to get the players, but uh, man, they got some athletic longer wings. I, I don't understand why the defense doesn't work. You know, I'm with you. I, it's it's weird because you like what Keegan Murray does individually in one-on-one defense. You like yeah. what Joe Hussant has done individually one-on-one defense. You like some of the Chris Murray defensive stuff one-on-one. But as a team, they don't gel together. That makes me wonder if it's more about the, the personnel or the scheme, the defensive mindset defensively, than it does the individual defensive players itself. And that's that's where I think maybe Iowa has to have a look in the mirror long term. If this doesn't, if this continues to not work out, because let's talk about it. You're going to have a Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp and a run of Wieskamp, Garza, and Murray in a span here. And how many tournament wins are you going to get out of it? How many Big Ten titles are you going to get out of it? Like that's some really, really good elite talent that's competing for National Player of the Year, like National Player of the Year talent, all Big Ten type of talent. And you don't have a Big Ten title to show for it. And you really didn't sniff one. And that's that that I would wonder if that's a look in the mirror for Fran McCaffrey and, and just that program overall. Who feels better about their first year coach, Penn State or Minnesota? Minnesota, but it's close. It's really close because if you lo- I really like Shrewsbury at Penn State. I think he's a really good guy and I think he's a really good coach. But they're going to play grinded out basketball. But Minnesota, like the bar for Minnesota was so low. People were like, is this team even going to win a Big Ten game? And I know that they're only two and nine in conference play, but like still, like the bar was so low for them. And Ben Johnson has completely revamped that culture. And you see guys that actually care. And you see guys that try really hard on a single possession. And you see guys that don't quit in games. And you see Peyton Willis have a career year and Jamison Battle have a career year because he has confidence in them and he wants them to be elite and he wants them to have confidence in themselves. And I, I think Minnesota feels like they crushed it with that hire. They got the right guy and every single big 10 coach, if you listen to the quotes about Ben Johnson, they rave about this dude. They rave about him. Tom Izzo raved about him. Matt Painter raved about him. Like they love this guy. And I think he's going to do a really nice job because there's so much talent in Minnesota and he's going to be a really good recruiter. He had a game. They got done with their game and an hour later he was recruiting in a gym in a tournament up here. That that didn't happen with Patino. And I think that I think that they feel really good about it. And Penn State's going to be just fine too because Shrewsbury's a really, really, really good coach. Really good X's and O's coach. And Minneapolis, man, they're, they're producing as much talent as Chicago normally does. Um, so, yeah, if you, can, if you can keep some of those kids home, that uh, program can be uh, something to wreck with. And, and that's why Patino wasn't able to keep any of those kids, really. Uh, so we'll see what he can do there. All right, we know Maryland's got an open position. That's probably a top 20 job in college basketball. Is there going to be a second uh, Big Ten job opening here. Um, I don't think Nebraska will be, even though there should be. I mean, come on. It, it's just everyone thought that was going to work, just like Scott Frost. Fred Hoiberg's now, what, 5 and 44, 5 and 45 in the Big Ten? It's a disaster, man. Like, it, is it weird to say that, like, it looks even worse than the record is? Yes. Like, 5 and 45, <laughs> and like, that sounds awful, but then you watch it, and you're like, man, this is 
bad. There was like, no plan. It, like, like, what are we doing? Like, what's he doing building that? I, I know he did the transfers at Iowa State, but like some of the guys they're bringing to that program, it's all me, right? Like, I think we know who we're talking about here. Like, it's all about their shots and, and this. And it's like at some point, just just get some young guys in there, like Brad Underwood did, or you know, so many coaches have done. Like, I know Ben Johnson is doing a lot of transfers, but these are all lower level guys that just want a shot at the Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska is just a, a disaster of a roster that he put together, and there's no sustainability to it. Right. Well, and it's it's all like one-year guys too, which is different than Minnesota's because you have a couple multi-year right. transfers, right? So you have Verge come in here, and Alonzo Verge been Alonzo Verge, right? That's just that's just who he is. Now you get Bryce McGowan's. So that's a big deal for Nebraska. So one of the best recruits they've ever gotten, and that's a guy. But that's a one-year guy. He's gone. Again, that's, not a, gone. that's not a culture. That's not a culture guy. So like I look at their roster, I go, who's your guy that you can count on to be your leader for the next few years? Like. Trey McGowan's, I really like his attitude. I really like how he defends. I, I think Eduardo Andre, I, I don't know if you've watched a ton of them, but he's like that big man that comes off the bench. He has some moments where he's pretty – you can see some stuff there. Tominaga. Tominaga. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> Those are culture guys. Yeah. You have three of them. And I don't I don't know how many more you have there. And so that that's the frustrating part. And it's just, it looks worse than what it is. And it's really bad. And so I, I, I don't think there's going to be another hire come open in the Big Ten because I think Nebraska will keep him. I mean, what who who what better are you going to do there? You know what I mean? I feel like you maybe well, maybe you tweak in your. He's got a nineteen million dollar buyout too. That helps him. I, Northwestern's probably going to win enough games, right? Like yeah. I, I think they're they're good enough. They'll find a way to get to seven Big Ten wins or eight Big Ten wins. But man, it's just like what's going like it's just kind of back to being hey we're 10th or 11th in the big 10 and we're fine with that at northwestern yeah it is Here, I, i'll give you a sneaky one I, i'm not saying he'll be fired but what if chris holtman leaves ohio state well, that would be my that would be my only one that'd be my only other one and we know how you feel about that one where you know it's a football school and he doesn't have a ton of pressure there and he can what's he leaving for why would you leave ohio state I get that. I, I would be interested to see what jobs come open. You know what I mean? We have to like we have to see what's out there, but there's just been a lot of smoke there. Are you talking Louisville? Louisville there? I would not go to Nate. Well, maybe. No, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I think Ohio State's just as good of a job, less BS you gotta deal with there, and so little pressure. There is so little pressure there that we saw what uh, uh Billy Donovan did at Florida. Like no one's paying attention to him, but you can win championships there. I know he wanted facility upgrades. He wasn't able right. to get those. So maybe you don't get some of those things, but Ohio state does that. Like they got a good arena. They got great facilities there. Um, so I, I think Ohio state's a top 15 job in college basketball because of all those things. And plus they've been, just been really good. You're in a great yeah. place to recruit Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania. If you want to get in there, you can recruit nationally. Of course. Like I, I just think it's gotta be, blue blood and, and i don't louisville they've kind of been on the borderline of that kind of like ucla at times nowadays but uh i'm not leaving for that disaster of a administration right now right and i think kenny payne's going to be the inside guy there i think for louisville uh so that that probably takes out that's just the one that's the only other job where it just makes a little bit of sense because illinois that's not going anywhere purdue's not going anywhere wisconsin you go down the list like there's not going to be much turnover in the Big Ten. And that's why this conference is really fun. That's why this conference is really, really fun, because you kind of know what you're getting on a day-to-day -day basis. And Penn State and Minnesota 
have both crushed their hires. So you know those programs are going to do better in the, in the years to come. And it, that just makes it so much more competitive. And if Maryland can get it right, like if that's a Kevin Willard or maybe they'll get, go get Ed Cooley from Providence, who's done an awesome job there, like that would really make this conference even more loaded than what it is. Um, who would be your Big Ten coach of the year right now? Underwood. And I don't, I don't know if it's close. Like I, I kind of want to give some shout out to Steve Peichel. Um, he was, okay. he was, no, I, I just don't, I'm not going to vote for him right now, but like if I had my top three, I might give Peichel like my third place vote because he was Jacob Young, Omarui a couple years ago, right? Miles Johnson. And now you're, you're still sitting here. I, I don't know if they'll finish top seven in the big 10 because they got a tough schedule coming up. But just going to say that. I was like, have you seen their schedule? Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying right now. If I had to throw a vote, if they get to 10 wins though, I might throw a third place vote at them. Because okay. like it's pretty amazing. Like they had a terrible non-conference, but they're they're Big Ten. They just play tough. Like I just think he's a really good coach, and I felt bad for him when Jacob Young and Miles Johnson left. Because if those guys were back, I think they're as good as Indiana, definitely. Um, and I think they could compete with like the second tier in the Big Ten if they had those guys. I'd like to know the inside story on that. Yeah, because like. That seemed weird. Like Montez Mathis is another one too that left. I think he went to St. John's and that's a, he's a good player. Like he's a very solid player. So I want to know the inside story on that on the, and why those guys left or how that happened. But here's my criteria for big 10 player of the year or coach of the year. You cannot win big 10 coach of the year when you've lost to Northwestern and to Maryland and to Minnesota and to Penn state. And that's what Rutgers has. Also, you're not allowed to do that when you've lost to Massachusetts and Lafayette in the non-conference. Just trying to give Michael a shout out here, man. Uh, it's between, it's between Underwood and guard, right? Like those would be the two. Yeah. No, no doubt. And I, I think that that's where you have to give – that's where Underwood's having all of this trauma that's basically happened with this roster, with Curbelo out and Kofi missing five games and Trent missing multiple games. That's where he has the edge. He also has a head-to-head advantage there too where he beat guard. I, I feel like he's set himself up to be really good in this mix. And it, I, again, like you just think about where this program is and where it's come from. Like th- their road stuff is just absolutely insane how good they are on the road. And that's not fake. Like you can't fake that stuff. Like the recruiting that they've done recently, you know, we don't, you know, you want to talk, you don't want to talk about the future because you're focused on the here and now. But I just look at next year, you're going to have seven top 100 guards in that backcourt next year. Seven. You look at the player development that they've done with Demonte Williams and Jacob Grandison. Demonte Williams is a three-star guy, low three-star guy. Grandison's a Holy Cross transfer. Look what they've turned into. Now think about what they can do with top 100 talent like RJ Melendez and Luke Goody and Brandon Pajemski and some of the guys that they have coming. Like that's where it's really exciting to think about the future of the program because you have such high talent combined with you know a culture that whatever culture you could say that, but it's a real thing. Yeah. And player development that's 100% real. Well, and there's a difference between recruiting and roster construction, right? Yeah. And you just look at what Underwood's done. Like Goody, Melendez, and Pajemski next year could play significant roles, and they fill needs at this team. I mean, right now, Melendez plays because they don't have another player like him, right? Um, you know, people focus on Coleman Hawkins so much in that position because he's the one piece that looks like him, that has the ceiling of him. But, like, 
Dane Danger is like the perfect complement to Omar Payne. He's something different, gives you a different look. Like Purdue's got so many different looks that they can give teams because they've constructed that roster really well. And then you lose a high usage guard and, and Trent Frazier. You're bringing one in and Jaden Epps, right? You're losing a, a defender and Demonte Williams. You think Sincere Harris can be a pretty good defender, you know, down the line at some point in his career. It just it fits. It, and you know, Plummer was was a guy they wanted because they're like, we need a shooter around Kofi Coburn. And the one thing Plummer does better than Adam Miller is he shoots it better. Um, right. He's even better shooter there. Now, obviously, he's not as good of a defender, but um, that, that just made sense. It fit. Jacob Grandison fit what they needed. Even in theory, even though he still feels like he's this theory, Austin Hutcherson fit what they needed as this long athletic wing. So I, I give kudos to Brad Underwood for that. And, and to be honest with you, staff construction, right? Like, um, losing three assistants and doing this is pretty impressive. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, and listen, we haven't had any conversations about this staff. None. Like, there's been no smoke it's about like, this staff Oh, they miss all. Antigua here. They miss Stephen right. Gentry here, right? Like, kudos, kudos to those guys. Nothing. Jeff Alexander's a really, really strong under-the-radar hire. I think he's done a really nice job of just presenting, just like, just being – a little bit of a staple from last year's administration and kind of what you want. That's so huge. Like, and Chester's being Chester and Tim Anderson's being Tim Anderson. It just feels like we've heard nothing about the staff. So you look at everything combined. That's why I think Brad Underwood's case for play, or for coach of the year in the Big Ten is, is so strong. If you get a share of the Big Ten title, I think you got to give it to him. I think you just have to. I think they got. I think he's got to win it. I, I think he's got to win the Big Ten title because if guard finishes tied with Illinois where Wisconsin was projected, I think most media are going to vote that. And I get it. I mean, guard is deserving of that. But if Illinois wins the Big Ten title, I think I think Underwood wins Coach of the Year. Yes, yes. And the thing, too, with, with guard that I do like, I do like his roster construction, too. Like, he's done a really good job of, you know, all the guys that left, he, you know, let's be honest, like, there was probably addition by subtraction there a little bit, like, it's okay that Micah Potter left. It's probably okay that Nate Reavers moved on. It's it's okay that Orlando um, Tucker uh, moved. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So you you kind of have like this fits together a little bit better than what it was before. Like Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell have done their thing. Chucky Hepburn's a really nice piece. So the roster construction. If we're going to give Brad Underwood an A for that, we also have to give Greg Garden A for it too. But I just think when you look at every all the extenuating circumstances. Brad Underwood's job has been a lot tougher, a whole lot tougher. But I'll tell you what, Wisconsin had some really impressive non-conference wins, and those first impressions can really matter. So if, if Illinois wins the Big Ten and Wisconsin kind of fades off, then Underwood will be the clear choice. But if it's a little cl- uh, tighter, I think that it, it's going to be a you know kind of 50-50 toss-up down the stretch. I feel the same way about Kofi, player of the year. Like if they win the Big Ten title or get a share of it, I think he wins. Um if Wisconsin gets a share of it and Johnny has a good finish, they'll probably win. If Ohio State sneaks up and Liddell goes crazy, I think it's really going to matter who wins for that award. Yeah, and, and and that's how it should be, honestly, because like if I think the Big Ten title, I think winning definitely matters with some, something like that. Like we kind of heard Andy Katz talk about some of those things with like freshman of the year and how winning doesn't matter for that, whatever. Like, but for something like this, winning definitely matters. And and how that's why this that's why this month there's so much on like on the line here because you're talking about legacies, like legacies, like. 
Kofi Coburn, if, if he goes down the stretch here and wins a Big Ten title and wins Big Ten Player of the Year, that's an enormous, enormous thing for the future, for selling and recruiting, for all of these things. And you have so many of these. Johnny Davis is trying to do it. Keegan Murray is trying to have a strong finish here. To maybe he gets in the mix there. EJ Liddell is trying to do that. Like, think about Ohio State selling recruiting. If you have EJ Liddell, you go, I went in and took Illinois' best player, like high school player. He came to my school. He sat for a year. He turned into a stud last year. Now he's Big Ten player of the year in his third year. Like you can do that here too. Like that's going to really, really be impactful down the stretch here. I was just thinking about who do you leave off your first team? Like it's know. clear Liddell, Kofi, Davis. It's hard not to put Murray on there, but like Ivy has to be on. Like he is their best player. Like I know how good Edie is, but Ivy is their best player. Like, so Liddell, Kofi, and Johnny Davis are, are no doubts. How do you finish that t- t- the other two? Like you're, you're leaving somebody off there that you don't feel good about. And Hunter right. Dickinson, like we got to leave Hunter Dickinson off there. Like, well, and the thing with Ivy too that I think about is like, what if he was in Wisconsin? Switch places with Johnny Davis. How many? How what would the stats be for him if he was in Wisconsin? What would his stats be if he was at Iowa, where he was a high usage player? Like if you go to let me let me i'll pull this up here while, while we figure this out i i would take ivy over johnny davis in the draft i'll, I'll just say that like I, I feel like ivy is the better player johnny davis currently probably having a better year but he's just in a different role as you said yeah okay here are the guys who have a higher usage rate than Jaden ivy this year boo booey ryan young keegan murray Kofi Coburn, Alonzo Verge, Johnny Davis, EJ Liddell, Travion Williams, and Zach Eady. He has the third highest usage rate on his own team, yeah. and he's still doing what he's doing. So, like, it's just like, like that's where that's where for me, like, he's on 100. You just clear the way because you have to. You the eye test has to matter. You can't just look at stats here. Yeah. You just can't. You got to look at winning, and you have to look at st- at some stats. But the eye test really does matter. So I would have Ivy on there. I would have Kofi. I would have EJ Liddell. Johnny, you got to put Johnny Davis. On I think I leave. Cool. I think I put Edie and Trevion on the second team. So is that for that first team is coming down to Hunter Dickinson, Edie, Edie and Murray, and Murray. I, I would pro. I probably could see them putting Murray over Dickinson just because his stats are just so stupid. Yeah, yeah. I I might vote Dickinson, <laughs> like, and it's no shot at Keegan. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it. And that's like, can you find a way to get Trent Frazier on the second team? I think I I I can make the argument, but it's Trace Jackson Davis we didn't even bring up. And I have an an issue sometimes with Trace Jackson Davis of like, all right, how many – like, can he win? Like, you got to win games. You got to win some of these big games. He kills the bottom half of the Big Ten. Top half he doesn't seem to do as well. Ron Harper Jr. is having a heck of a year. So, well, I think Trent is deserving of that second team consideration. It's really hard (laughs) to to figure out a way to kind of get him on there. I mean, Michigan State probably doesn't have a top first two team guy, right? I was going to say, what happens if Michigan State wins the Big Ten title and they don't have a top first or second team player? Mind you, Wisconsin a couple years ago, right? I just I don't know how that works. And that's why this ballot's going to be really interesting. And that's I also think that that, this is why this ballot is going to be um, kind of a difference for for pretenders and contenders in the media and how you watch basketball yeah. games because if you watch these games and you go okay well let's just pick the top five stats here and chase Jackson Davis is a second team guaranteed lock or maybe a first team lock that I think we're just going to learn a lot about some people when we see some of these ballots and who watches the games yeah. and who you know is watching the right things in the games Indiana fans would hate to hear this like if there's an Indiana like 
but you could make an argument to put Trent over like Trace Jackson Davis. You know what I right. mean? Like, listen, I think Trace is an unbelievable player, but if Trent's helping Illinois lead them to a Big Ten title, might get an edge with me, whether it's nine to ten or ten to eleven. I mean, it's that's might make a difference for me because offensively he's better than Trace Jackson Davis, and I think defensively. Trent should be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year over Trace Jackson Davis. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult when I have to fill out that bracket at the end of the year. And another thing, too, that you have to take into account is in the big games of the year for Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis has gotten in foul trouble and wasn't a factor. No factor against Illinois at home, right? Six points, six rebounds, barely played. Purdue, they won that game, but it wasn't because of Trace Jackson Davis. He played 11 minutes in that game, yeah, four points. He can thank like, Finnessy for that, right? Like, and so there's just like times are just like against like the best teams. He just at Wisconsin earlier this year, they lost 64 59. He had four points and played, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just like, it's, it's frustrating because you see some glimpses with him. And I, I said it earlier in the year, like, man, he seems really way more locked in defensively and offensively. And then it feels like some of the old habits creep back in and maybe it's point guard play. Maybe it's whatever. Like maybe you can say the guards aren't good enough for Indiana and that's a completely fair thing. Yes. And maybe the roster construction doesn't fit around him quite as good as Kofi has it or EJ Liddell has it because imagine you know, if he had a Curbelo. like if, if he had a Curbelo, like I'd, I'd feel probably better about him um, yeah he just his whole career he hasn't had that guard like Christian nope. Lander was supposed to be it boy <laughs> Xavier Johnson was supposed to be it too and can, can, can I own up to 24-7 sports and every other like we we misjudge that one uh, maybe it was because he came too early like the reclassifying early thing I'm not a big fan of man 17 year olds playing college basketball is tough and I, and I feel bad because he also got hurt this year and he's really not gotten to show what yeah. he can do at all so it's just like it feels like he's had bad bad chances to succeed but you're right like this the roster construction and that's an archie thing but it's it's impacting trace jackson davis and and you know if, we, if we're going to put that list together like i'm putting Edie and um i'm putting Edie above him and i'm 100 putting travion williams above him in the big 10 player of the year race or in the in the big 10 all-conference teams yeah. like you can't have both of those guys not above trace jackson davis even though their stats their counting stats might not look quite as as spectacular at the end of the year. Yeah, and I still think I give the edge to a guy like Trent over like Ron Harper. Um, yeah. I, I love Ron Harper, but uh, I just think Trent's year has been ridiculous, uh, ridiculously good. All right, Isaac Trotter, anything else you want to add, man? I think we covered it all with the Big Ten basketball here. I was gonna say we we did some good <laughs> stuff there. Yeah, no, I again, I I think the the thing is, it's just it's it's so fun just to see this this league where it's gone and where it's been and you can kind of focus on the big 12 and you can focus on things and focus on March issues. But I, I really think that this league has a chance to make some noise in the tournament. Like you maybe you know, I think Illinois can be up there with one of those teams. I think Ohio state and Purdue, if they get the right draws could be up there. And I, I just, I hope that people don't focus on some of the March failures and, and judge this league the wrong way. Cause if you watch the games on a nightly basis, maybe they don't have some of the athleticism stuff that you could see on a nightly basis in the sec or the big 12, but it's been really good basketball and I've just been watching a ton of it and really, really kind of feeling lucky about it. Cause it's just been really good ball. The one thing I love about this league is um, we can question March, right? Uh, I think the PAC 12 could be have another really good year in March. I've kind of liked watching those teams, but like the big 10 races the last four years, if, if you just look at the big 10, I know we judge everything by the NCAA tournament and success there. In 2019, Michigan State and Purdue tied for the Big Ten. Michigan was one game behind. Wisconsin was two games behind. 2020, three teams tie at 14-6. and six. Illinois, one game behind. Last year, 
We know Illinois won more games, but Illinois and Michigan basically tied for, for right. the Big Ten. And Iowa was uh, you know, two games behind Illinois, but you had that race with Illinois and Mich- Michigan. And right now you have four or five teams with three or fewer losses. Like these races are ridiculous. It comes down to the last week, last game every year. Like it's not like the Big Twelve where it's like Kansas running away from everybody every year. The ACC always seems to have one team. Uh, maybe not here recently, but um, it's just the the Big Ten races have just been a joy uh, to watch. It's so competitive, and and that's why this month is so fun because every single night matters. Like legitimately, every single night matters, and. I, I can't wait. I just can't wait. I think the Big Ten tournament is going to be an absolute war. I like. I'm just really excited about it. And you know, Illinois has everything in front of them. And you know, I know that I know the vibe in that locker room and in that in that you know those offices this summer was that when they came back and they had their team, they were not trying to get a share of this title. They they wanted it all, and they got a chance to go win it all. And they they don't want it even to be close. And now they got their shot. And Illinois Purdue is going to be an absolute doozy. Yeah, not that like Purdue's not hungry, right? But this team's very hungry, and they're just old. I mean, Kofi Coburn's the young guy in the starting lineup for this team. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy how old they are, and I think that's going to pay off for them. Well, Isaac Trotter, man, good to catch up with you. Good to see you. Uh, continue to kill it uh, with the 24-7 Sports National Desk. It's been awesome to have a Big Ten guy there. So I uh, can't wait to see what's next for you, man, but uh, appreciate the time, appreciate the chat. Thanks for having me. Great stuff with Isaac Trotter, who has given us a lot uh, from National Desk on the Big Ten. It's been fantastic. And Illinois. So uh, whenever there's an Illinois basketball game or Big Ten basketball game, the desk has really uh, stepped up with a lot of content for us as well. So take advantage of that if you're a 24-7 sports user. With the pod already over an hour, uh, let's just wrap this thing up, shall we? We will chat to you after the Purdue game. Joey Wagner, Derek Piper, and I will be three deep at Mackey Arena covering everything that goes down in that marquee matchup, number 13, Illinois, against number three, Purdue. I feel like whoever wins this has the inside track to the Big Ten Championship. And that's not to count out Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, uh, some teams that still have a chance at this as well. But uh, whoever gets this one, I feel like it's a huge inside track, especially if Illinois uh, is able to win this one. Because if Purdue loses, they're two games back. If Illinois wins this, um, they're, they're two games up, obviously. But Man, um, to win at Mackey, not many teams are probably going to do that this year. So just give them a huge leg up. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. A rating or review. If you could take a few moments to do that, we appreciate that. And do check out our YouTube page. If you enjoy the video content we put out there, um, the YouTube page has been a cool thing. Um, a lot of people interacting on there and it just gives you something else to watch up there. So uh, give us a follow wherever you get that. Helps us out a ton. All right, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll chat to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Thank you.